0: Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia-Pacific is not your average supply chain podcast. We feature prominent industry voices, thought-provoking commentary on news, current affairs and the latest technologies, while connecting you to companies and innovative thinkers who are transforming supply chains in our region and across the world. Don't listen to the same old, same old. Be sparked by new ideas only on Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia-Pacific.
1: Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia-Pacific. I'm Jonathan Kempe. It's great to be with you. And this week, we get to talk to a large-scale global vendor, SAP. If you haven't heard of SAP... Perhaps just take five seconds to Google them. I'm sure you'll come up with a lot of information about a rather phenomenal company that has transformed a number of businesses the world over. Their technology is enabling technology. It sits behind a significant amount of large companies, enabling them to do incredible things inside supply chains and in other areas of business development. My guest today is Graham Conlon, the Vice President, Head of Digital Supply Chain for SAP, And he's in charge of APJ's digital supply chain, responsible for leading commercial success strategy and go-to-market for SAP's end-to-end supply chain solutions in Asia Pacific and Japan. Graham is committed to transforming the region's supply chains, by helping enterprises innovate and optimize their supply chains for cost and operational efficiency, sustainability, competitive advantage, and ultimately longer-term resilience through world-class supply chain solutions. He has over 30 years of leadership and management experience across various industries and geographies, and constantly brings a renewed sense of focus and clear vision to his teams through unique yet significant change programs that have transformed the businesses that he's been able to lead. I find it fascinating to talk to large-scale vendors about the sorts of solutions that they have an offer. What you normally find is that the principles that they talk about can be applied to other businesses at any level. And so as you listen to this episode, I hope you glean information that's new and that's fresh and that increases your understanding of what your organization can achieve. So let's go ahead and meet Graham and let's understand a little bit more about what SAP has to offer. Well, with the ongoing risk and continuous disruption over the last few years, supply chain has become an epicenter from within. It's gone beyond just a corporate concern to being something that directly affects consumers and consumers the world over. We've all realized just how important yet vulnerable our supply chain can can be. The last 24 months have introduced a plethora of disruptions, such as geopolitical conflicts, inflationary pressures and the recessionary environment to climate challenges, and many other issues that continue to affect supply chains the world over. As we've heard, we're joined today by Graham Conlon from SAP. Graham, perhaps you can give us a perspective on supply chain in Asia Pacific. It's it's a pretty diverse region. You've got a lot of different countries and cultures in there. You've got Down Under, you've got New Zealand, where I am, Southeast Asia, India, up to Japan and South Korea. Perhaps you can share regionally contextual examples of how enterprises are adapting in this new environment to that increased risk and disruption that occurs.
0: I think maybe if I start with Asia Pacific, Japan, which is is the region that I look after for SAP, and I think some of the nuances to Asia Pacific, Japan are, are fairly clear and everybody's aware of them. So we know how geographically the, the region is spread from, from Japan in the north right the way down to New Zealand. We also know that we've got lots of languages, which can uh, be a challenge. Um, And we also know that there's lots and lots of different uh, cultural topics as well in the different countries. So these things are kind of visible and everybody knows. But I think what I'm interested in and what I see that's um, quite important as well from a supply chain point of view, and that is that when we look across APJ, You see this massive uh, difference in terms of prevailing industries in different parts of the region. You also see a different level of maturity where we've got some some parts of the region which are tremendously mature, mature economies, very mature from a technology perspective. And that's not necessarily the case right across And then I think also the other one, which is less obvious, and that's really about the dynamic nature of some of the countries and economies within the region. You've got some which are well-established, large, very, very stable, lots of governance. And we've got other parts of the world where we see massive growth in GDP. So when you kind of throw all these things into the mix, this is a really, really exciting place to be operating in the supply chain uh, profession. So that's kind of a, at, a, at a, a macro level. If you, if you then start thinking about the individual countries and the way that we organize our countries, we, we break them down into certain regions just to help us. I guess the first one that we talk about is ANZ, so Australia, New Zealand, We start there because it begins with an A, so we like to do things alphabetically, it makes it easy for me to remember. Uh, But, you know, if I look at A and Z, we've got these massive heavy industries, lots of mining and all the related services that would support that. What's also interesting is if you then start looking below uh, at the next level, you also see there's a a lot lot of CP companies, a lot of consumer based companies uh, in that part of the world. And then by the time you get down to New Zealand, you've also got a very, very significant um, agri base as well. So we've got lots of organizations we're working with across ANZ, very, very varied industries in play, companies uh, that I like, like like Lion, who make beer, and that's why I like them, <laughs> uh, an organization uh, that we, we've done lots of work with, a really, um, really impressive approach to how they digitize their supply chain practices, and also a very holistic approach. So they look at how they how they plan their business, but also uh, using some of our our portfolio how they uh, manufacture, right the way through to their enterprise platforms as well. So Lion's a good example. And then when we start thinking about maybe one or two of the companies in in New Zealand, some some big big names, Fonterra. Uh, doing some fantastic stuff in their warehouses using our technology, and then uh, you know I'd also maybe mention uh, Foodstuff South, mm-hmm. and, and these guys, uh, as you can imagine, with a with a with a company like Foodstuffs, uh, with their retail presence across New Zealand and South Island, using um, some of our. Tools and techniques uh, around transportation management, which uh, has got some significant benefits. So, ANZ number one, then maybe another key market for us, and and, and a massive, massive growth market, um, is is India. India, yes. and and I mentioned the growth in India, and it, and it's not just because of the size of the country, the population, but really, I think of many of the many of the countries um, around the world. I think India got got hit pretty hard during during COVID times, and I think we've seen um, over the last 12 months really a, a massive rebound in India, and you know, lots and lots of activities and lots and lots of organisations learning from some of the disruptions that they saw, really looking at all, the, all across their industry sectors. I mean, if you think of India, you've got huge amounts of manufacturing, you've got steel, you've got pharma organisations, all that we're working with but many organizations looking at trying to learn from some of the disruptions that we saw around covid and how to make sure that they're future proofing their practices and their processes going forward lots of lots of companies that we've worked with again i'll just i'll throw a few names in as well companies like dr reddys laboratories also jindal steel and power and i mentioned those two companies because what's really interesting about those is these guys have really looked at their their end to end supply chain. They're really looking at a supply chain transformation and looking at um, how technology, new technologies, um, can really support that end to end transformation. I move, maybe, mention uh, Korea. And again, when we think of Korea, everybody thinks of manufacturing and a kind of tech-centric set of companies there. But really, if you think about some of the brands that are housed in Korea, you've got organizations like Samsung, you've got Hyundai, you've got LG. This is a part of the world for us that just has massive global reach. I mean, I don't think there's many places in the world where you will not find some of those products. Uh, And for a supply chain person, this is, I mean, this is just gold because there's such... These are complex products. They've got you know pretty uh, pretty complex structures, but as well as that, they've got massive massive reach, and therefore, for a supply chain, the the, the opportunity to drive efficiency, but also innovation, is, is huge. And again, you know, we uh, we work with lots of these organisations here at SAP. One example I, w- I would probably mention b- b- would be uh, Hyundai Mobis. So uh, these are the guys. I'm sure you're aware that uh, they uh, make um, car components, automotive components. Mm. And again, they're using our integrated planning platform, IBP, as we call it at SAP, to look at how they manage and optimize inventory and, and inventory, particularly for the parts that they're supplying to, to um, other auto sectors. Mm-hmm. After Korea, we get into our, our friends in, in Southeast Asia. And again, a different, different set of challenges here. You've got in Southeast Asia, you've got lots of global organizations who, have, who house their regional headquarters in Southeast Asia, often in Singapore, but not only in Singapore. And as well as that, you, you've got lots of subsidiaries of of big global organisations manufacturing right across um, right across the Southeast Asia region. Lots and lots of companies that we've been working with for for a number of years. Again, right across right across the the spectrum of supply chain, and uh, you know maybe if I was, to, I was to mention one, Indorama Ventures, the Petrochem company. Again, they're an organisation that really have looked at what they do. And there's a, a full-blown supply chain transformation on the on the agenda with Indorama. And I saved the biggest to last, uh, which is <laughs> Japan, as I'm sure you're aware in terms of GDP economy. This is a, a massive, massive territory. Mm-hmm. And, and again, everybody, um, when I ask the question, you think of Japan, pe- people think cars because of all the, the well-known OEM branded automakers. But actually, it's just so big that they do everything. I mean, there's big players, big companies, literally in every industry sector. And maybe I'll I'll mention a couple. One one that that, uh, springs to mind, which is uh, Kawasaki Heavy, uh, Kawasaki Heavy Industries. So these are aerospace. And I, I, I like to mention them because... Uh, This is an organization that's really looked at um, their engineering chain and their supply chain. And the idea of actually really, how do you bring all of the the data, the intellectual property, all of your design information that's that's stored stored within product lifecycle management or within engineering? And how do you really bring that into a complex manufacturing process? And then at the same time, Really look at that in the context of your enterprise solutions and your enterprise resource planning, in particular. So again, this I, I like this I like the the Kawasaki Heavy example because it really is uh, an example of a transformation. It's really an example of a digital led transformation. Yeah. And then um, you know maybe uh, another one, a brand that lots of people will have heard of, uh, Mitsubishi, but M- Mitsubishi FUSU, which is the um, truck manufacturer. And, again, these guys doing some really uh, clever stuff with uh, what, within their warehouses uh, with what we call extended warehouse management is, is the portfolio piece that they're using, uh, and it's really about how they manage all their spare parts. And, and as, I'm, as I'm sure you, you're aware, uh, in the auto sector, spares – Um, aftermarket is is a huge huge driver Mm. and for many organizations a very very profitable business so uh, yeah uh, Mitsubishi really doing some clever stuff in their warehouses around how they manage spare parts so I'm conscious of the fact that I've kind of run around (laughs) an incredibly big region and it's it's always a little bit tricky uh, to to do that without being repetitive but maybe you know I'd I'd summarize so for us at, at SAP we've got this enormous uh, region, which we've grouped together, which we call Asia Pacific, Japan, not all, uh, not all companies would classify it the same way. But that's how we've put it together. We've got these these five huge markets that I just talked around, which is ANZ, India, Korea, Southeast Asia, and Japan. And then um, if you look at each of those, you see a different industry setup, you see quite different behaviours in terms of the maturity and the dynamic nature Of how they do business. But but in each of them, SAP and and SAP digital supply chain are engaged working with these companies. Um, And there is a real appetite for change. um, And there is a real appetite to address some of the the challenges we've seen by uh, the massive recent disruptions in supply chain and and in business in general.
1: I I think it's absolutely fascinating to get an insight, not only of, of how SAP works in the region, but how it also handles companies inside the region who are going through that process of digital transformation. I think it's amazing that you share those insights about those specific companies as well. And what I noticed from there is that convergence that happens in some of those companies in certain industries where they've thought holistically about a supply chain. How does it work from end to end? How does it work from shop floor all the way through to some of those more critical processes that need to be reported into the board and so on. And they're using SAP solutions to drive real change uh, inside their individual companies and their industries. So I think it's really exciting to get those insights. If you look at the region and you think of the the backdrop that you just painted about the region itself, what do you see as some of those supply chain shifts or trends that are creating waves uh, in our region specifically?
0: globally, if you look at what's happened with the disruptions that we've seen, and, and everybody knows the disruptions, you know, we've um, we've seen um, issues with uh, geopolitical issues driving, uh, we've seen inflation, we've seen people blocking the Suez Canal. I mean, we've seen so many disruptions in, in recent times. I mean, and these have been global uh, disruptions. But The key thing with all of these is um, that they they create uncertainty. And and uncertainty is the enemy for any business. I mean, if you're in a a general management role, it's uncertainty that you are constantly um, trying to manage. So in supply chain, we talk about disruption. Sometimes we talk about risks. But I think the key thing is it's, it's all about uncertainty. And then if you look at the topic around uncertainty, then, what we see is different organizations looking at how they mitigate for that uncertainty, how they mitigate for that risk. Um, but what is what is absolutely clear is that supply chain and in particular the disruption, the risk to supply chain is more visible today because of what's happened over the last three years than it 's ever been, uh, certainly in my time and I suspect ever mm. so we 've got this hugely visible set of challenges that have been thrown up by global disruptions um and what we're what we're seeing now is that supply chain is much 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 higher up the corporate agenda if you like i mean we it, i always talk about the fact that over the last three years we've seen presidents prime ministers um, and ceos talking about supply chain
1: yeah
0: um, and you know I don't remember in, in my many years in the supply chain business where that was the case yeah. you occasionally would have a conversation with a CEO that understood supply chain practices but it was very rare that you would talk to a president of uh, yeah. you know one of the world's leading companies and he was he was complaining about supply chain yeah. challenges and disruptions and resilience so mm. you know we are much much higher up the corporate ladder and, f- and for good reasons And I think what what companies are looking at doing is trying to identify, well, first of all, I I guess, uh, to a certain extent, learn from what they've seen over the last few years. And many organisations were very heavily impacted by the the, the recent disruptions. Learn from that and and also try to highlight where they see challenges, where they see risks, often that were hidden in the past, and, and really looking at how do we mitigate for those risks. So I I think it really is about a recognition that if you get supply chain wrong, you really can shut your business down. Mm. And that wasn't always there in the past. And I think it's a recognition that you can't afford to just ignore these things and hope they go away because they might not. And so I think that's the big change that that I see. And I think what what organizations are increasingly doing is – some of them will identify that they have a very specific issue. So it might be in terms of how they manage demand or how they manage inventory. It might be uh, in terms of their logistics processes or how they manufacture. So lots of organisations are identifying very, very uh, specific pockets of risk. Increasingly, lots of organisations are saying, well, hold on a minute, Um, a supply chain is, is just like any other chain. And that is it's only as strong as its weakest link. Right. And therefore, if we only focus on the specific point, we, we may shift the constraint, but we're not really managing the constraint. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and so I increasingly, and what I always encourage when I'm talking to clients is, I mean, there may be some very real and some very immediate challenges, but what I always encourage is, is you know, look at where they, those are, but also try and take the holistic view and, and ensure that you are not just hiding a problem or moving a problem and actually look at how you transform your complete supply chain uh, process. And, and it all comes down to, to having visibility into your supply chains. And I think it, you know, one of the ways that you can bring out that visibility is by standardizing processes and in many cases, digitizing those processes right and i think that that's the key thrust that we see organizations looking at a more holistic view of supply chain looking at how we digitize that those supply chain practices and then because of that digital thread if you like that you have through your supply chain process you can actually start analyzing you can start in some cases using technology to actually start to predict simulate and in many cases predict the way your supply chain process will behave. And if you can do that, then again, you can start de-risking the whole process as well.
1: So in terms of that, I mean, you framed it really well, not just around risk disruption, but uncertainty. And it's a really good way to quantify exactly what is happening and what is the primary driver or should be the primary driver of decision-making inside a business. What is the uncertainty that affects me? What is the uncertainty that affects my suppliers, upstream, downstream customers? What what are the things that I need to mitigate over a period of time using various tools. When you think about digital transformation as a process, and SAP are world leaders in this, um, would you go as far as saying now it's an imperative that people have to digitally transform? Is that a good word to describe it?
0: I think I think that's a fair statement, and I think that's been driven by some of the staggering disruptions we've seen and the the, the recognition that supply chain practices are are really business critical. It's not that long ago where a very significant amount of supply chain brain time was spent on efficiency. Mm-hmm. It was spent on driving cost out of supply chain practices. And in recent times, that that has changed. And the reason that that's kind of changed is because of course, if you drive efficiency, uh, you have less inventory perhaps, You have fewer suppliers, perhaps. I mean, there's many things that you can do to simplify and drive and drive efficiency, but there is a danger that actually you leave yourself exposed when the big disruption comes. That is why organisations are not today just thinking about how do we take another dollar out of our supply chain cost. They're really looking at how do we build supply chains that are resilient, and how do we build supply chains that are sustainable and if you think about those two topics a key way to do that is to embrace new technologies and and that is that digital transformation that 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 we've talked about as I as I travel around this region those two words I just mentioned them and I mentioned them really really quickly but they're probably (laughs) words that come up in virtually every conversation I have and particularly with uh, kind of sea level people in in our clients and that is resilience and sustainability. It's its interesting. So there's a there's a recognition that we can't really predict all these disruptions, we can, mm. we can plan. Uh, but something's going to come and catch us out. And therefore, right. the mindset has changed, which is really looking at if the worst does happen, where do we sit? How do we shift from one country to another in terms of our manufacturing? How do we shift suppliers? So lots and lots of organizations just really looking at how do I build resilience so that when that change comes, or if that disruptions, that risk, that uncertainty hits my business, what have I got so that I can pivot? What have I got so that I can change the way I I operate, shift my process, shift my suppliers, whatever it might be, so that that I can uh, focus on business continuity. And that, so that resilience piece is, is massive. Everybody's talking about building resilience. And of course, in many cases, you can't build resilience without building some, some cost as well. So it's that yeah, shift right. away from just driving cost out and, and efficiency and now thinking outside of that, that very narrow scope of how do I do things as cheaply as possible and really looking at how, how, do, I, how do I build resilience so that I can maintain those practices in, in tough times. The 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 other topic is all is sustainability and I think this is right. just this is just enormous and there's so many so many different ways that sustainability has has become a fixed part of the agenda over the last few years. Yeah. And, you know, there was a time where sustainability was part of the agenda because somebody put some legislation in place. That goes back and that, that there were certain uh, limits in terms of how successful some le- legislation in different parts of the world has been. But, I mean, it is interesting that there are going to be um, legislation changes which will drive organisations to think more sustainably. What, what's really been different in recent times is just the amount of consumer-centric sustainability sentiment that is there right, yeah. and, and organizations looking to change their practices because they have to satisfy that that consumer sentiment and and there's many cases around our region um, i think particularly in you know maybe the best example i would give would be in palm oil uh, sector which is a huge amount of palm oil across southeast asia and beyond but you know you've got like major major food manufacturers major food retailers global players and they're saying if you can't demonstrate that what you're doing is sustainable we will not buy from you so this massive massive it kind of starts with a consumer and then it's really pushed right the way through supply global supply chain practices of course there is a, another sustainable dimension and that's the whole kind of investment community as well uh, which is again another angle, so I think whether it 's whether it 's people that are looking at governance and ethical behaviors, whether it 's actually legislation that 's driving this, or whether it is, it, this, there is this this angle which I believe starts with the consumer and the change of thinking in terms of you know recycling being able to have uh, circular products and, and economies, all these kind of topics which have really been driven from from the market, sustainability becomes a major, major player in in supply chain transformation conversations as well. And I think if you look at these two, and and I like it, and the reason I like it uh, is because if you look at what you're trying to do to build resilience, you create this this digital picture of your supply chain. You look at this digital picture holistically, right the way through from what you do in R&D and engineering, right the way through Um, how you plan your business, how you manufacture, how you procure, how you store and how you move goods. Um, So this is that that holistic view um, of the supply chain. If you think about using technology to digitize this, you start to generate data. And with that data, you generate visibility and transparency uh, into what's going on. Now, this allows you to make decisions which will build resilience into your process. But so importantly, that same information, that same transparency allows you to make decisions which drive a sustainable agenda. Um, You know, you can with um, a fully digitized transportation system, you can optimize transportation and you know how much transportation is a a real, uh, has a real impact on, on carbon generation within supply chains. So optimize transportation. If you've got data, you know, you can minimize changeovers within a manufacturing Facility Mm. and therefore reduce waste, reduce energy waste, but also reduce material waste and on and on and on. I can give you so many examples. But the thing I really, you know, I'm really passionate about with this whole concept of of driving resilience and sustainability is it's a two for one. I mean, you digitize your processes, you create this visible world, and then you can start simulating, you can start predicting, and you can really change outcomes. And these outcomes, the, the usual kind of business type outcomes, but also they are sustainable outcomes really right the way across waste, energy, the, 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 whole, the whole picture of, um, of sustainable practices within supply chain.
1: And it's exciting to hear your passion on those topics because it's not just now, and I think you've embodied this so well, it's not just now a novel add-on. People used to think about sustainability, perhaps it was a business cost or business risk to them. Uh, we'll think about it if we have to. But like you've just articulated well, consumers are driving that conversation for a specific reason. They actually want to see change. They want to see corporate governance done well. They want accountability at certain levels and they want to be around. We all, we all want the planet to survive, not just one generation, but multiple generations. And, and so to couple those two things together, I think is really powerful. There are economic levers, sure. Your business needs a profitable backdrop, absolutely. But you can do that and get sustainability at the same time, and there's an intelligent way to go about those things. If you think about them from your long experience and you think of managing those processes, but then also innovating inside those processes, have you come across or does SAP use any ways to quantify how a company might approach that? Is there any frameworks that you explore or use with companies when you work closely with them on management and innovation?
0: Yeah, that, I mean that's a really, really good question, and and you used a word, and I, and I just I, I do just want to to digress for a moment, if I may, because you used the 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 I word, the innovation word, and again, this is a, another another big shift. Um, so I, I talked, you know, I quite like this this kind of bimodal thinking. So you know, we've got resilience and sustainability. We we digitize our supply chain processes, and we we can effectively improve on both of those dimensions. Um, yeah. Now, I said, uh, I said earlier that historically, many people were looking at how do I drive cost? How do I drive efficiency within supply chain? And that was the way we, we, a lot of organizations were thinking. But I think now there is also thinking bimodally. There's also this, this fact that you know, there are organizations that are actually driving innovation instead of efficiency. Right. It is possible to drive both, in my opinion, if you, if you get it right. But, you know, think about organizations that are differentiating themselves on delivery time. I mean, you, you've, we've seen this over the last few years Certain organizations, mm-hmm. you know, it, with the, the shift to more and more online consumers, and, and, and that was only accelerated with, with, with COVID and lockdowns. People are making procurement decisions. P- consumers are making decisions based on delivery time. They're making decisions mm-hmm. based on, if it's delivered and I don't like it or I thought red shoes was a good idea at the time, but maybe I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. have made that choice. How easy is it for me to, to get it back? And all, so all of these yeah. kind of transportation and logistics processes, people are differentiating their brand and also growing their business. and And these are innovations in supply chain that they're using to mm. do that. And, and there's many, and many other examples, you know, you can you can look at how you manage R&D processes, you can look at how you feedback sentiment from end consumers, um, and how you build that back into your R&D and, and engineering practices so that you can drive product fit, you can drive product quality. So all of these things which are integral to supply chain practices, you're innovating and using that to, to, to grow your business. So, you know, there's this real, this real opportunity where you can, you can actually have an impact top line and bottom line by having a digital um, supply chain. In SAP we actually often talk about top line, bottom line and green line. So we, we believe oh, wow. this is, this is the third dimension which is which is really mm-hmm. um, you know how we drive sustainability practices within supply chain as well.
1: And so you mentioned in previous conversations that there's a, a three C's approach that SAP will apply as a template to a number of these things, both to make the content that you're delivering come alive in the in the view of the people who, who are working with you, but also to guide how they make certain decisions so they can make them well. Do you want to just go into a bit more detail about those three C's?
0: we do everything with 3 by the way so anybody that's worked at sap will know that we it's sap, S-A-P yeah I, I will come to the 3 to the 3c's but maybe just a step before that because you know within digital supply chain that's dsc so there's that theme of 3 uh, once more so within um digital supply chain we we often talk about design to operate um and what what i mean by that is I've said on a number of occasions that organisations are looking at supply chain much more holistically than perhaps in the past. So the way that we often define digital supply chain, we talk about design to operate. Um, And so that's design. So that's all your your engineering, your R&D type capabilities, whatever industry you happen to be in, whatever products you're manufacturing. So design, how you plan your supply chain practices, how you manufacture how you operate, that's the design to operate. So that's how you maintain and run your plant and facilities. And and in some heavy industries, that is absolutely a massive, massive cost to to your business. And of course, within there, also, we would include all of the logistics around warehousing and and transportation. So we, we talk about digital supply chain. We want to think of it holistically. And we want to think about how we drive resilience and sustainability into that digital supply chain. Um, And often within SAP, we talk about design to operate. So that just is an example Mm. of the holistic nature of how we define our portfolio for digital supply chain. And I mention that because the three Cs is really in the context of that holistic design to operate uh, process. The first uh, of the Cs is all around connecting. You create this digital thread, you create these digital processes. And once you've done that, you can, you can use them and you can connect um, them together. So you start to see a complete picture of your supply chain, whether you need that visibility so that you can make the right planning decisions, so that you can make decisions about how much inventory you're going to store, so that you can make decisions about whether you need to increase manufacturing capacity. So it's this whole idea of actually connecting everything. You have this digital picture of your supply chain. So that's the first C. The second one is, is one of the most powerful And that is, if you have this connected world, then you can start to make decisions which are contextual. And the challenge is that you can often make decisions in isolation, particularly when you've got a big organization with many organizational silos, and also an organization that perhaps has got some slightly misaligned KPIs for individuals. You can start to make decisions that locally look um, like they're good decisions, But holistically, they may not necessarily be the right decisions. The whole idea of being able to make decisions contextually and understanding the impact on the complete business. So that's the second C, which is contextual. Make sure your decisions, whether it be simulations, predictions are always contextual and you understand the impact that they will have. And then the last of the Cs is is collaboration. And I think this is also a big shift that we've seen over the last five-plus years, actually, And that is, there is no supply chain that I've come across that is managed entirely within the walls of an enterprise. There are third party packaging, there is in some industries, third party specialized design, there's obviously suppliers, there's third party logistics providers. So what we've seen is that actually, a supply chain is not a linear process, it's actually a set of many to many connections. And it is, in fact, a supply chain network, it is not A supply chain linear process. It's it's a a a network, and therefore, what we're looking at doing is how do you use network technology to really support the 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 collaboration and the communication that you need in order to make optimized decisions within supply chain. So, at SAP, we talk about the business network. Um, So, this is a platform that supports all of those communications. Now, of course, within that supply chain world, you've got IP. You've got lots of competitive information. You've got lots of sensitivity. So you can't just open this up and put it onto some, uh, just give it to everybody. Central server for everyone to share. So, I mean, it sounds simple and obvious that we build a platform to support collaboration, but of course it needs to be a controlled collaboration. It needs to be auditable and and so on. So, So that's the third of the Cs. So we talk about the three Cs. It's really about connect everything, make decisions that are contextual because of that connection, and then collaborate right across what is increasingly um, a networked process. And that is the, the digital supply chain process.
1: Excellent. Well, I think that gives us a complete picture and a great framework to work with for any organization, I'd say for any industry to first look at all of those areas of uncertainty, things they need to actually address, the risks that affect them. And then to work through a methodical approach, and SAP supply a bunch of different amazing tools for this to happen that allow them to fulfill those three C's. They can connect both internally and externally, they can contextualise their response into every decision that they make and then they collaborate with those in the ecosystem. I think what you've said well about collaboration is that it's not just one of those optional extras like sustainability, it's actually become a feature and we need to work together better and as globalisation has spread everything out and in some instances concentrated certain things in certain geographic regions, collaboration and clear collaboration is key. Well, thanks so much for your time, Graeme. It's a privilege to get to talk to you and to speak about what SAP does and how it integrates into ecosystems the world over and in particular in our very fond region of Asia-Pacific. We've learned a lot about different perspectives um, from different industries and different industry players across the region. And I'm sure as people try and work out how to navigate these challenges, they'll consider SAP to be that solution provider to drive better outcomes.
0: Thank you so much. Thank you for the invitation.
1: Well, that was a very informative chat with Graham, and I was grateful for his time. And as I've reflected on the episode and gone through editing and revisited the content, you can't help but be impressed by SAP. In terms of what they've done with DTO method that they employ, the three C's that they use as a framework, their guiding principles of how they try and maximize value, and they try and reduce uncertainty, they've got a very good grasp on all of these topics, You can understand why they are leaders in their segment, multiple segments in fact when it comes to technological deployment, and also with the consulting services they offer. If you're looking for supply chain technology and supply chain technology solutions, think about the principles that we've covered in this episode. They universally apply, and I'm sure if they've been thought-provoking, you'll consider different types of technology to add to your blend, and perhaps SAP will be part of that technological mix. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Let's Talk Supply Chain Asia Pacific. Make sure you catch up with me and the team on social media or follow along with us on your favourite podcast platform as we continue the series on technology in supply chains.